right, so uh, we're going to talk Judge Dredd today. Not not Dredd, but officially Judge Dredd. <laughs> I, you know, I think we use uh, Judge Dredd interchangeably with Dredd when we mm-hmm. talked about the reboot. But hey, whatever. It's it's yeah. you, you clearly know what we're talking about. Yeah, uh, I mean, it, it, I mean, it is his official title and name in the reboot too. He is Judge Dredd, but just a in an attempt to stand apart from <laughs> the original 1995 movie, they just dropped the judge for the title. Yes. Um, and I do have to say, like, it does stand like, a, apart quite a bit. Um, definitely in the whole comic book feel, because I didn't realize how much uh, the 1995 movie really tried embracing the comic books in just complete 90s fashion. It was oh, definitely yeah. a trip rewatching. Rewatching this movie, um, <laughs> a great trip back to the future of 1995. Um, <laughs> it was was Mega City One this time around. I gotta say, man, um, y- when you compare the two movies, yes, mm-hmm. Judge Dredd from 1995 is a little, it's a little lame at parts. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what? Compared to the first time that I saw this movie, I gotta say, Joe, I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I mean, it does a lot of the things that basically every movie, every action movie in the 80s and 90s does. So you could kind of think that it's a little bit of a bore for that reason, yeah. because it, it feels like it's just a um, a repurposed story of any other action movie wrapped in this Judge Dredd wrapper. Uh, yeah. But at the same time, I don't know. I think it's kind of fun in like a terribly awesome, cheesy way it is a fun <laughs> movie. Uh, I mean, look at the thing how it starts out. You've got a comic book montage of all these Judge Dredd covers and even some that are 2000 AD. So pre actual mm-hmm. Judge Dredd stuff. And then you get to the world, uh, the word crawl narrated yeah. by none other than James Earl Jones. So Dude, paid only. Me. That's the only thing he's in that whole entire movie is just the word crawl. Dude, it got me pumped up. I'm not, I'm not even trying to be mm-hmm. ridiculous or, or sarcastic here. Like, like to, like to see that the the comic book kind of flipping through it and everything mm-hmm. like this is obviously uh pre mcu pre you know dceu pre so like, jujitsu pre jujitsu starring nicholas cage you bet I starring mean, or featuring nicholas cage i think is the better <laughs> yes. the better way to place that yeah game match set but yeah we'll, we'll, we'll go into you know what we're going to cover jujitsu at some point so you'll get we'll that get reference in a few weeks but <laughs> but <laughs> but you know what hey if you had just like if you had never seen like any kind of dread stuff before mm-hmm. and you and you saw like this this first like two minutes you would actually go i i'm actually not like like, like this isn't like a a, a, a like a hard-hitting uh like uh, 90s cheesiness to start off with right no it's not um you've got a like again that that word crawl establishes the history and then you go like almost right into the action you meet um the first part of like that formula to any 90s action movie and that's just star power and you get the oh, yeah. comic relief part of that with rob schneider right away in the beginning yeah yeah the, mm-hmm. focusing on him in the very beginning of this movie um was actually uh, an interesting choice to me because in a lot of these action movies, especially the Stallone era and the Schwarzenegger era, Mm -hmm. it's not often that you start off a movie that actually tries to build, right? Like, like it did did try. (laughs) Not saying it succeeded, but it 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 tried. It did did something there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, but it at least introduces you to what the mega cities are. 
you yep. know, and you get to see it through the eyes of someone who has literally been in prison. So it's like, mm-hmm. it, since you're seeing it for the first time and this person's being reintroduced into the mega city, uh, you're kind you know, it's, it's, it's just a kind of an interesting parallel. Um, yeah. And if you're wondering yeah. what the mega city looks like, um, strangely similar to the mushroom kingdom in the 1980s <laughs> super Mario movie with a little more neon lights and they don't have the go-kart like cars get around the city feel to it. But other than that, it's the same aesthetic, um, yeah. just grungy overpopulated tight area. Um, and that's mega city one this time around. I I've got to say something about this, Joe, that, um, it might just be a limitation of, let's just say the budget, yeah. maybe the time period. But, mm-hmm. you know, what I thought the the reboot of this movie got right was the fact that the mega cities just felt like when you look at like a downtown area in a, let's just say like a an, an older city, mm-hmm. you know, like it basically felt like in the reboot that that's all they did was take like a, a high rise and then just multiply it by a hundred, right? Yeah. This look of mega city one, felt like it was a more of an original look like maybe like you said more uh more true to the comics right like mm-hmm. more true to the, what's coming off the page because yeah it, it yeah. really tried looking at like again like you said in, in dread 2012 like they just took like a modern high-rise and amplified it and it looked like these buildings just looked like legitimate buildings that we could have now if we built them big and tall enough whereas the aesthetic for this one it was future grunge and future rundown uh, if that's a if really a good way to put any of it, because like the architecture was fairly different than what anything we have now. And you've got your droids walking around, like rolling around the city, offering recycled food, good for the environment. Okay. For you. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. They like dread 2012 just felt like if shit went down today, this is what we'd end up with. Uh, Judge Dread looks like if shit went down a hundred years from now, that's what it would look. That's like it was supposed to be. Definitely going for more of a future look. Yeah, and I, I think that's really as far as it goes with with the Mega City vibe, though, right? Mm-hmm. Because yeah, we get into a little bit of like the riots and how everybody seems to know that there's a lot of unrest given the, the circumstances of the judges and how they operate. Yeah, we get but thrown Meg- into the Black War right away with uh, if you need a villain in a hurry you call james reamer and he's there <laughs> and he's right away this movie in the first like t- five ten minutes throwing shit down yeah yeah it, it, it's, it's for me this is like st- this is basically cookie cutter post-apocalyptic mm-hmm. or dystopian future just just standard bullshit yep. right like it's Completely. over the top yeah it's totally cheesy which I will say that's probably the fault of Danny Cannon who directed this movie, because if, if you've ever watched uh, any of the CSI uh, Miami or New York or just the standard CSI itself, this guy was an executive producer on every single one of those. Suddenly so the... Judge Dredd makes way more sense. <laughs> yeah, dude, it totally does. Because <laughs> I mean, just just think of, of putting a pair of shades on every time somebody talks in this movie. That's exactly what you could probably shoehorn in there. And it, I mean, it's too bad it wasn't like taking his helmet off after every line. Like there's no, they didn't quite have that device. But I mean, the way you meet Dread for the first time in this in this movie, it basically is like the, uh, I don't know, like the equivalent of Horatio, like putting the sunglasses on mid like one liner, uh, because this movie 
Actually, I don't know. This movie doesn't have a ton of one-liners, but it does have a catchphrase in it throughout the entire thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, it, uh, it, it does. Yeah. Dread basically will go through um, like sentencing options for the perp. And the perp will always say something like, oh, I'm not guilty. And he'd be like, I knew you'd say that. Yeah. And that, that would just that. would happen through the entire movie. Everyone would bounce <laughs> around through multiple characters. Even the, the lovely Diane Lane used it once uh, once or twice. But <laughs> yeah, but getting back to like when you first meet Dredd, you've got this block war going down. Uh, Diane Lane's character, Judge Hershey, is already there. Uh, she's under fire waiting for backup. Dredd shows up. You see the the classic 80s, 90s action cliche happens if someone recognizes the hero and is like, oh shit, that's Judge Dredd. And then immediately <laughs> they're scared. Um, except I, James I will... Reamer, who <laughs> fires away. I've got to say, Joe, when he, when when Stallone first rolls up, like, like here here's the part I don't get. He couldn't have been that far away because because like they they call him up on you know on the radio and everything, and and he comes rolling up on this motorbike, and like there, there's no way that he wasn't just around the corner. No, he was not, right not there. there. <laughs> like, like, like he's he should, on a break he should have been there or something. Yeah, he should have been. Yeah, there. he should have been there, but. but but as soon as he shows up, dude, and he gets off of this this bike, I I, I busted out laughing because was it roughly off... when you saw the cod piece? Well, that's part of it. But like, he steps <laughs> off this bike, and whoever mm -hmm. was do, like in charge of the cinematography at that point, or or just controlling the camera, like they're panning at his feet, mm -hmm. and he's awkwardly getting off this bike. Like like when he gets off the bike, like you can see he like he crosses over his own feet, and so it looks really weird. Yeah, and then and then when they get to the top, like you see him like triumphantly standing there and almost almost smiling a little bit. <laughs> and as soon as they do that, oh my god, I lost it. I lost it. I was just laughing How the entire you? time. You you had yeah. to have lost it. And another thing is that like again, they went so like comic accurate with the suits that they, I don't know, it looks ridiculous. It just does. Like it works in a for a comic book. But when you see like some guy who's supposed to be law enforcement with a giant golden eagle on one shoulder that is like physically molded into an eagle, and then like this this other like weird completely pointless armor under their shoulder, like who isn't gonna laugh at that? <laughs> he basically has to. a he basically has a three foot tall sandcastle on his fucking shoulder, mm -hmm. and I, yep. I just look at that, and and he's like. <laughs> I don't know if this is more Stallone or if this is just more Stallone as Dread, but like he's sitting there acting like, you know, like, like proud Papa, like he's mm -hmm. showing off like his, his baby who was just born. Like that, that's the way he's standing triumphant here. And, uh, oh my God. Like I said, if you're, if you're not laughing at this uh, at, on your first viewing, uh, there's, there's something wrong with you. Oh, it's, completely. It, yeah. It's fucking hilarious. You have to. Like and then what's even better is like, his just ridiculous. Like you said, that ridiculous confidence that he has that he's, his little speaker comes out. He goes, I am the law. <laughs> and he's telling them all to like, stop doing what they're doing, whatever. And they fire away and he doesn't move at all. And it no. just looks like he's supposed to be like, this this crazy badass that's not afraid of boats or anything. And he, he rattles off like what weapons they're using and how they are only like effective over 20 meters and they're 30 meters up. So why are you down on the ground, Hershey? Um, just, just like supposed to be badass, but it does not come off that way. It's almost like more like he's a nerd who's just read the law book one too many times. Yeah. And that's why he just knows these things so well. That is the total vibe I was getting was that he just mm -hmm. felt like a, a roided out bookworm, you know, and 
I mean, the, the important thing to realize here, Joe, is that like we're not taking our position in 2021 here as a means mm -hmm. of saying that that 95 was silly, right? Like there are people who said that this was silly in, in 1995. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was definitely silly back then. And I mean, to its credit, it does try establishing like some like bigger like arcing story questions or kind of like a driving question for the movie itself. Um, yeah. I mean, along with like it does like other comic elements well, but that what the what the movie tries pushing is that Judge Dredd is so like hell bent on following the law to the letter that it's basically inhuman and that the punishment that the judges give out is too harsh and they need to be more human and less robotic in what they're what they're doing. And they yeah. try like basically breaking dread down and making him more human as the movie goes on. Which to be honest with you, Joe, the interpretation of dread that we get before some of this, like, I don't know, the humanization process you talked about. Mm -hmm. This is comic book dread that we're seeing. Yeah. I mean, th this is what comic book dread behaves like. He, he is such a rule follower. Uh, it's, it's to the point where he's a fascist. Like we talked about this a little bit in mm -hmm. our, you know, in our, in our reboot episode here uh, later this week, but like, but that's, that's somewhat accurate to, to what he should be like. So for me watching this movie, I thought that they, they did kind of skip over mm -hmm. what's going on with the world around dread. And they just kind of focused directly on like this, these isolated things that are going on um, with dread, with his leadership and, and that's that's really the only areas that you see get 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 focused here is is those threads. That's that's basically it. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting where they really try showing um, like the reason why Dread is the way he is. At one point, he has to train some cadets, which also the whole like little cadet scene is hilarious. Just in the fact that he's like showing them like this is the armor, this is the lawgiver Mark II, this is the lawmaker motorcycle. And yeah. he's like firing at the armor, and which, by the way, the armor is literally two shoulder pieces and a helmet. <laughs> yeah. And he's trying to act like it's impervious as he's shooting it. It's like you can shoot literally anywhere but three spots, four spots, because there's a cod piece anywhere <laughs> but four spots, and you're probably going to kill the judge. Um, apparently, Kevlar mm -hmm. has not changed at all. Not know. at all. <laughs> not at all. And and there was a fun little element of humor the whole thing where he's like, you know. The, the red armor is yours when you graduate, and the lawgiver Mark II is yeah. yours when you graduate. The lawmaker is yours, and then the motorcycle breaks down. Yeah, if you could get it to work. If, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. And, and they—that's the the cheesiness coming mm -hmm. through again, right? Like th this yep. is this is like once again, this is less dreaded, more sliced alone in CSI. Yeah, like. <laughs> it completely is, and it doesn't help that again, like so. The nature of an action movie this time is campy cheesiness. And then there's something about the way, the way they try to be accurate to the comics also just adds another layer of cheesy to it. Like the sets, the designs of the, of, of the, the props and the, the uniforms, like it doesn't read badass or police or, or future. It's just, nope, this is just one more hunk of nonsense added onto this movie. It's really a testament, though, to why being too faithful to a comic can sometimes be a problem. Because, because mm -hmm. when you look at the the MCU as an example, you know they've taken some characters and they've made them look realistic or 
you know, maybe they've taken a design like let's just say uh, like Yandu in the okay. uh, like the Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm -hmm. Like like Yandu's outfit is is absolutely ridiculous. His oh, fin completely. is almost like <laughs> yeah, the fin the fin's like four feet tall. Yep. And so when they actually made the Ravagers, you know, just look like mercenaries, you know, it Yandu, mm -hmm. yeah, he he looks like an alien who is a mercenary, and you're not sitting there be, like going. What, like you're not analyzing how normal he looks as no. an alien, right? Or I know everyone liked to like rip on Iron Man two there as well, but like, have you seen Whiplash in the comic books, where he's like <laughs> blue and silver spandex with a deep V neck cut and a green ponytail? Yeah, I, I think yeah. the problem was Joe was they didn't want to turn on viewers too much; it would distract they, them. Way you know? too distracted with the deep V. Just too hot. It's too he's hot, staring man. right at like whatever the part like. The mid pectorals called called on the on the anatomy a little pointing, gap there. It's it's pointing right you there. towards Graceland, Joe. Mm -hmm. That's what it's doing. Sorry to get off on, on a tangent there, like we always do, <laughs> but but that's that's really the truth here. Yeah. Is that when you when you take these outfits that that you know look good in a comic, and then you try to make them re real and put them on real people, yeah, it, it just it just looks ridiculous because uh, not everybody is meant to look like a superhero, right? No, not at all. Yeah, and so it just it just didn't quite fit. But that's something the reboot would fix. And 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 you know, once again, we'll, yeah. we'll we're not going to dive too far into that. But but what I think was really important to focus on with Dread because we talked about some things that just didn't work here, right? Mm -hmm. The things lots that of did things work, did not work. <laughs> well, <laughs> agreed. But like mm -hmm. the things that did work, though, uh, ironically enough, are things that the reboot didn't even spend time investigating, which would be the fact that. That uh, Joseph Dredd is a clone, mm -hmm. and and he has a brother whose name is Rico, who is also you know a clone. A clone. And so yeah. I have to say, one of the things about this movie that felt the most believable to me was Armando Sante playing Rico and almost doing like a, a pseudo impression of Sly Stallone. Yeah, like, that does work again, like another star power thing because you got Armando Sante, who is I think had several award no uh, nominations over his career. And he just like he like he's kind of the most fun part of this whole movie, is yeah, is, dude, is really, his job oh. as the villain. Yeah, he really, dude, he really is. Like he, he actually reminds me kind of like a handsome Jack from Borderlands, oh, right? Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. But like there, there's a level of sadism to the character, yet there's also an equal balance of charisma that follows him, um, because the way that that Asante, you know, uh, portrays Rico. You do actually, you're kind of like, I wouldn't say you're behind him because no, no one can really truly you get behind should not, him. No, he's, he's, <laughs> he is a bag of cats um, mentally. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but but he he balances for a, for a time here. He balances that, that, uh, that craziness because uh, one thing I want to point out is when he goes to meet with that, uh, we'll call him just like, a, I don't know, like a pawn shop owner to pick up his, his old, you know, gun and, and suit, right? Uh, he goes to visit this this pawn shop owner, and when he's having banter with this guy, like you know, Rico's got you know all kinds of bolts running loose up, oh, up in yeah. his brain. But the way that he interacts with this this pawn shop owner, it, it it feels just as normal as any interaction I've ever had with a stranger where you're trying to play nice and yeah, you know, find commonality. And yeah. Also, credit to the pawn shop owner, like the actor who played him. Like this is an example of there are no small parts, just small people. <laughs> and that guy was believable what he did. Like the part where he tries telling Rico not to touch the lawgiver 
sounded like genuine concern. Like, no, 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 don't do that. Do that, do that. Yeah. It's going to take your arm off. Like, oh, hey, like that guy sold it really well. And if it yeah. turns out he's not Australian, he sold it really well in <laughs> Australian. I, he did a great job, man. I, I, I'm totally in agreement with you. Um, that, that whole exchange just, it just, for me, like, I'm, I'm just sitting there going, yes, this is a cheesy movie. And it didn't do very well, but I'm actually enjoying everything I've seen so far. Yeah, a little bit. No, no, it makes total <laughs> sense. And unlike uh, the reboot, like this actually takes us outside Mega City One for a portion of the movie. We won't explain why, but Dread and Rob Schneider end out in the cursed earth where you get to actually interact with, you know, the kind of people that are alive outside the Mega Cities. And it's kind of like, I don't, I don't say like stereotypical, like, post-apocalyptic survivor where they're kind of like these odd mutant slash religious zealots uh that are living out there also cannibals yeah because why not just throw all that together may or may not be a cyborg involved lots of crazy is out there on the cursed earth right now and just that small scene was nice because it, it really like layered and built on to like the mythos or the world building that was done in Judge Dread, where like mutants aren't necessarily like you know, pretty women with te telekinetic powers or uh, telep uh, telepathic powers. It's yeah. like no, these are some crazy mutant dudes out here. Like this is this is scary times. Which I got to say, Joe, uh, for folks of The Walking Dead, the the leader of this like little family of mutants, or we'll just call them, you know, uh, deranged rednecks. The leader of them is Scott Wilson. Herschel Green himself. Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah, dude. That Pop was totally Herschel? That no. Was, yeah. yeah, that's Herschel. Oh, I'm so glad his head didn't get cut off in this movie. Yes, yes. That was totally him, man. Like, and, and when I was watching that, I was just like thinking, like, this guy looks familiar. And then I just kind of like paused it for a moment. And I'm like, this guy just is missing a three-foot beard. That's that's Herschel. That's it. That's Herschel. Wow. Yeah. Did not see that. Yeah, Scott Wilson, dude, that guy was a, uh, he had a, a long resume. So for him to pop up in a movie like this uh, totally makes sense to me. But, you know, you've, once again, we've actually got some pretty good acting talent in this movie. You really right? do. Because outside of Scott Wilson, you've got Max von Sydow, dude. And and I mean, he he's like just as prolific uh, as Scott Wilson, you know, or well, mm -hmm. more, I would say more prolific because Scott Wilson's really just really big in Georgia. Uh, meanwhile, Max von Sydow is like, you know, 150, 200, you know, movies to his credit. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, he's in this, uh, oh, and then, uh, Jürgen Prochnow, if you remember Jürgen Prochnow, uh, he's the, the, uh, father of the, the Germans in beer fest. That's the easiest oh, way. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 Cause he's, he's the, uh, the evil, um, justice that's up there. Cause they are, they are justices that sit up higher than the judges. Correct. That's yeah. That's how that yeah. goes. Yeah. Cause there's, there's chief justice and there's that. Yeah. It's basically the Supreme court. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he plays Judge Griffin. Um, and I'm trying to remember who Sidow was. I think he was, oh man, yeah, like he's a chief justice or of mm -hmm. some kind. But, but that's another good point to bring up here is that, uh, we really do get to see more of the intrigue, you know, within the the judges and and their chain of command, right? Mm -hmm. Um, because there there are a, a few more things going on than just you know people shooting at each other, and. So not to give the entire movie away, because honestly, folks, like it's yes, it's a cheesy movie, but I still think it's worth watching, uh, oddly enough. Yeah. Um, 
but they actually they take a chance to go into this. So they we've talked about how uh, you know J Joseph Dredd and his brother Rico are both clones. We get to explore that side of the story a little bit more, and then we get to see exactly how uh, the topic of cloning is is used to kind of twist the knife within the leadership too. Um, so and and that's because of, of something we haven't even really mentioned yet is the fact that Joseph Dredd gets framed for murder, and it, and his brother is the reason for it. That's the whole yeah, reason why this movie's even happening. Yep, that's it. That's it. That's uh, that's the driving uh, the driving problem behind this whole movie, uh, because you get um, basically their similar DNA uh, when used as evidence against Dredd is what damns him and is what yeah, so gets him arrested uh, essentially. And yeah. so the whole movie is trying to stop Rico, and Rico, um, he awakens like. A uh, when he's at the uh, the pawn shop, more or less, oh, awakens yeah. the uh, the That's old the ABC Warbot. Yes, yes, mm -hmm. yep. And which, by the way, this thing literally has a flat top on it, which is yeah. pretty great. A flat top haircut uh, molded <laughs> into the head of this robot, and it's it's big. Basically, it's it's got a claim to fame is that they they will not stop shooting until like they're like blown up, more or less. And they're just like walk, basically walking tanks with uh, machine guns built into the knuckles. It's cheesy, but kind of great. And yeah, so Rico's just running amok, doing his own plans, and Dredd's got to stop him. And that's all the plot we really need for the movie. Well, and unfortunately, it's it's the majority of the plot that you do get. But I, yeah. I do think that they, they did a decent enough job mm -hmm. kind of showing how, um, and, and this is, piggybacking off of literally what I just said about Rico, like there are moments in this movie where you kind of feel like Rico has like moments where he is lucid. Mm -hmm. um, and then as the movie continues on and he realizes just how much of an advantage he could have, uh, if he applies a little bit of pressure, he just becomes unhinged. Yeah. Like, like just the perfect villain after a while. And, and once again, I don't know if this is actually the writing or the directing, or if it's just Armand DeSante, like, just killing it either way he's he's totally believable and like carries the movie uh outside of the like the you know the uh, joseph dread parts i mean i kind of want to think that it was uh was armand doing this and it was just like you know what when he's on screen just let him let him do him but then again at the same time could stallone actually like you know play off that well or would he just be confused i don't want to i don't want to say like stallone is a dumb man but i don't think improv is his thing <laughs> I mean, he's I, he's more I, of the guy yeah. who wants to make sure he has enough electricity to run his blender to make uh, daiquiris during a tropical storm. Than... For those, yes, for those listening at home, this is a true story. Uh, I used to work for a generator company who had a contractor who installed a backup generator at Sylvester Stallone's house in Florida. He only had two things on this generator: his daiquiri machine and his hot tub. Those are the only two <laughs> things he chose to back up. <laughs> and he is the law, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not going to say that he's an idiot by any means, but the man knows what he wants. I'm guessing that's a that's a technical thing, and mm -hmm. that's why improv is probably not his best, uh, his his uh, strong suit. Yeah, probably not his <laughs> forte. Say. I think I think he's definitely more of a. And again, as the character, he's more of a by the book sort of guy. Uh, and improv isn't isn't his forte. But Joe, I will say, um, his ability to be so rigid in this movie, I think, could be uh, involved with the fact that he is a clone. Mm 
and maybe that's the problem right because because mm -hmm. we find out that like he's been told a lie his entire life that he thought he had a family that passed away and it's like no you were you were born in a test tube and that's why you are so strange so it could be equal parts script and equal parts acting interpretation because if you look at other people in this movie joe um like Jurgen Prochnow, who's just a good actor don't get me wrong but he's he's very intense he's very yeah. layered there's a lot of different things that you get from that character um you know max von Sydow, once again great great actor um but you truly see the pain on his face when they have to you know sentence uh joseph dread you know in the movie and you see just how much it hurts him mm -hmm. so and and then Diane Lane, like Diane yeah. Lane's character, she's intense as well. She she does a really good job in in the parts where she is in this movie. So, mm -hmm. and I mean, yeah. you do have the unfortunate like classic eighties nineties terrible cliche is that just because she is a woman and she is attractive, she is there for a love interest in this movie. It just that that part felt shoehorned in and not exactly entirely natural. Because again, Dread is not a man who strikes me as someone who cares for frivolous things such as love <laughs> he's mean, a man only of the law which once again i i think it could just be just as much the the script i i mean mm -hmm. i mean because keep in mind joe we just saw demolition man two years before this we did just see demolition Man before this. yeah that's true so, yeah so you saw and at least there's no uncomfortable weird like hand touching mind sex machine uh scene i was fun i could care to see more of that i mean you want to jazz this movie up a little bit. Um, I think we could have definitely used that one, but but I, I think that's really what we're looking at here. Like I think the cheesiness feels like, or his one-liners. I'll say, I'll, I'll be specific. The one-liners that he has feel even stranger because of how rigid he is with everything else he does. So I knew you were going to say that. Well, <laughs> yeah, God damn it. Yes, exactly, Joe. You're getting the point. Um, but yeah, that's that's what I think the issue really is here, man. Like you you have the guy who who literally directed CSI Miami behind the helm of this. Of course it's gonna be cheesy as fuck. Yeah. But how else could it not be? Yeah. It has to be. And like this is even like this is like pre-procedural cop shows. Or would it be considered pre-procedural cop shows? Because I guess there's like procedural cop stuff before, like in the nineties and everything. It wasn't necessarily as big as what we got in the two thousands. But here we get a procedural cop movie. In the future with Sylvester Stallone. So yeah, you basically have to crank everything up to eleven uh in that in that circumstance. What well, and once again, like Joe, I was fully prepared to you know treat this as like a, a any, any kind of like bad movie marathon where you get your friends together and you and you drink and you just make fun of it. Cause I remember when I first saw this, like obviously like you know, a teenager, preteen actually. The first time I saw this, I was like, man, I, I didn't walk away from it really even, you know, thinking much of it. No. Mm -mm. But but going back to it and watching it, you know, for this, it was like that this isn't actually that bad of a movie. No, it uh, tried. It it walked hard. It really did. And and this is also a pre-CGI world, Joe. Remember that. This is all set building here, which is yeah. something. Like it's like in like Mega City One is like like miniatures and sets and it's it's fun in that respect. Like the I don't want to say like the visuals don't hold up. They don't really hold up because it's just again it's a '90s future aesthetic, 
but like as far as like looking like fake they don't look fake it looks like the buildings are there which is you know a great job on their part well but you mentioned the abc warrior like the abc warrior looks legit he does i mean i mean that yeah that's that's a real piece that they used yeah. um and then the angel game that we talked about, like the the son that has the dial on his forehead, that's got like mm -hmm. this reinforced spine and like you yeah. know like, like a, a metal arm. Like th I'm sorry, mm -hmm. Joe, that's a triumph right there. That looked really of, good. Of, of, which did you <laughs> did you guess? Is this Stan Winston working in this at all by any chance? You know what? I I'm not sure. I'm I, not I'm sure not either. Sure. I mean, I was looking at him like you know what? I don't know if this is like Stan Winston's like shtick, but like fuck it looks like stan winston quality like good work and if you're not familiar with stan winston uh pick an 80s sci-fi movie where the monsters that looked good in them likely stan winston was behind it he is he was behind i think the look in alien and aliens he was yeah. the one who redesigned predator which you if you ever want to like look into predator and look <laughs> yeah. at what the original design was hilariously bad it was so bad to the point where they had shot most of Predator without any of the Predator scenes because they kept waiting for the suit to arrive. Yeah. And then they have most of the movie done. The suit finally gets there. They shot one scene and like, we cannot finish this movie with this suit. Like it will get laughed out of every theater. Mm -hmm. And they, they stop shooting. They call Stan Winston. He redesigns it. And we get the iconic look that is the Predator now. And Again, like when you look at like when you think of those movies and how great those monsters looks, even if this member of the Angel Gang is not necessarily like an iconic movie creature or movie villain, he looks very well done. Like you don't see like bad makeup apps. You don't see seams in any of the prosthetics where you could say, like, oh, that's where the mask touches another part. Yeah. It, it just all looks really good. I was going to say, Joe, the, the stuff in this movie that needed extra touches they look legit they gave it yeah like this was again big budget movie that they put they really stuck the budget into every ounce of this movie they just didn't end up paying off for them yeah i would say that the the effort was definitely put into the world building and you know probably the the research of the dread universe or the 2008 universe because that like the stuff that they introduced you to I, honestly you'll hear this a little bit about my gripes with the the reboot is that that's that's the stuff that really is is interesting it's it's not just seeing a large you know dystopian city that you've seen in almost every relevant mm -hmm. sci-fi from the 80s and early 90s yeah it's it's the stuff that's going on outside of that so it's the you know it's the cursed earth it's the the mutants and and just the stories that could live out there you know that that's the stuff that you really want to dig into um as well as the, the cloning arc and rico that we've mentioned too so they didn't do a bad job with introducing those elements, which is what makes me kind of feel bad um, for the things that didn't work in this movie, because like you said, totally outweighs the good that they did here. Yeah, it really does. Although like, again, if you have to like really think about this and you have like a night where you've got really nothing going on, your friends are sitting around doing nothing. I mean, this movie's on Hulu. I am not going to say don't watch Judge Dredd. Like if you've got nothing better to do, fucking put on Judge Dredd. Like at least like one of two things is going to happen. You're going to walk away from this like, you know what? It wasn't good, but I didn't hate it. Or you're going to laugh the whole fucking time and just enjoy yourself. 
Well, and, and that's what the whole experience for me was, was that there are parts of this movie where, yeah, I, I busted out laughing and not because they intended to, you no, know, or they didn't intend because, for me to do it. They didn't intend it. It just turns out this is a silly piece of shit. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, there are parts of it that are completely silly and ridiculous, mm -hmm. but, but there are other meaningful elements of this movie that are well done. And so, yeah, to, to kind of piggyback off of what you said, I think there are people who may have heard about this movie that have avoided it just because of the the rumors and the and the perceptions others have had of it. But yeah, if you actually go back and watch it, I guarantee you, um, there's going to be people pleasantly surprised with this. Hey, Mark. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. God damn it, Joe! Fucking hell. <laughs>